You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, it results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed, but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. Today, I have a new friend of mine, Dino Dellett, here with me from Meltwater, and we have kind of a funny, cute meat story. (laughs) We have somebody in common who put us together who makes us both laugh, but we want to talk today about some really big issues, hot topics about what it takes for a company to really understand their digital footprint, understand their way forward strategically, and to understand what vendors they need to bring in the right configuration in order to have a digital transformation success. So Dino is with me today. He is the Director of Analytics and Insights at Meltwater, and he has over a decade of experience consulting and working with marketing professionals really to create and improve that just that that fine-tuning of their marketing strategies. He's worked with huge companies that you know from H&M to GE, Hyatt, UPS. I don't know. Have you ever heard of these? (laughs) A lot of the big guns. But he really helps brands think not necessarily about the strategy itself, like creating that directly, but how do we optimize the social media and the marketing efforts? And how do we really fine tune them toward the global target audiences? So this is where the tools at Meltwater come into play and those strategic insights start refining the process. So you're going to hear tons about his experience and I'm going to make him just really dive in and tell us like some big topic issues. We're going to start with Dino, are you ready? Because I'm going to kind of put you like, like wow. right I'm on the spot the from the beginning. <laughs> After that intro, I'm feeling the pressure. But yeah, Girl, I'm ready. this guy this sounds fun. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet I better deliver. Right, I love it. Okay, so let's talk about the big topic of influencer marketing, and then I'm going to backtrack a little bit with kind of where Meltwater's been and where's Meltwater going. I think that's a a lot of interest to my audience. But talk to us about the big, crazy topic of influencer marketing. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. It's an honor and a privilege. And I think if this conversation is anything like our first one, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, (laughs) But yeah, influencer marketing is near and dear to my heart mainly because that's the, the line of work that, that we're in here at Meltwater is, is tracking news and social data, which obviously these days has been just, I don't want to say overtaken, but influencer marketing is such an important part of what people need to be doing and need to be good at in order to get their, their brand out there. 
but it also presents so many risks and challenges because influencer marketing done well, you are putting your brand in the hands of somebody else so that they can help you reach their audience, which is hopefully your target audience. But whenever you put your brand in the hands of somebody else, I mean, then you're trusting them a lot to message the right way, be authentic, but not inappropriate, all those sorts of things. And the the space has just grown. I mean, we don't need to sit here and cite all the stats, but it's absolutely exploded from what it used to be a few years ago. But some companies out there are still not necessarily doing it in the way that they should be in 2023. They're struggling with figuring out exactly how to leverage the power of working with a content creator or an influencer to get their message out there. They're they're applying some other tactics to this new realm and it's not yielding results for everybody like some of the, the great campaigns that we hear about all the time. Well, when you say that and you're talking with these companies, can you help us get in that room for a minute? What are some of yeah. the stresses or the frustrations? What, what's that consternation sound like? Like, what are people bringing to you that you're frequently hearing? Great question. Let, let's break it up into parts. So firstly, there's finding the influences. That's obviously difficult. You have to have a tool to help you identify who has the audience that you might want to tap into. And then you need the tools to also be able to vet them, to be able to figure out not only do they have, and it's not just about followers, right? Most people think that, oh, I'll go on Instagram and I'll uh, type in a hashtag and I'll see who posts about that content, who has the most followers. As we all know, the follower count is not always accurate. It's also not necessarily a direct reflection of who's engaged or how many people they actively reach, but that's just how many people at one point clicked follow. So the difficulty that brands express to me is that they don't always have a reliable way of figuring out who they should work with. And then once you develop the the right methodology to be able to find people, and that's obviously we provide tools and software to, to be able to do that. But even then, you've got to then manage that whole process. It's like a, there's a CRM element built into our tool, which is quite necessary because if you think about the most impactful influencers to work with are not the Kardashians. If you can get the Kardashians to talk about your product, you're guaranteed some exposure, but they're not necessarily a kind of influencers that everyone should be working with. So that means you've got to work with the, the nano, the micro influencers, the, the authentic, the moms who use the product or the, the dads who into whatever product you're, you're selling. I love that. That micro-influencer is really something that's not understood, but this is truly where the industry is going. And being able, when you said at the very beginning, one of the big things that Meltwater does is really get that message in front of your exact target audience. Then you understand micro-influencers as this precision tool, right? I was just on a LinkedIn live this morning. I was listening to Mark Schaefer, amazing brand builder and 10 books in. I'm like, what? I'm like barely getting my one out. You know, I'm like, okay, dude. (laughs) But he actually said something right in alignment with what you're saying. And his, the poll quote I got from the LinkedIn live was really at the end of the day, all we have to put forward is our personal brand. And it is a very different thing in micro influencing, but to your point and what your, what Meltwater does, 
then how do big brands get that connection and how do they make sense of it? And how do they pull that many of them together? Just the thought of, instead of managing one Kardashian relationship, managing a thousand micro influencers almost makes me want to fall on the floor. Do you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a lot. And, And you know, these, these brands, they have big teams. It's not just one person in the marketing department. Typically, but sometimes it is just one. But while we're on the topic, congratulations on, on your book. Uh, well, hold, hold that thought while it finally comes out. We're in, <laughs> we're in the last throes of it, but I believe in well, me, Dino. <laughs> good luck. Good luck with it. I can't wait to get a copy. <laughs> but yeah, it really is a challenge. But this is kind of my, my pet peeve with the industry is that people see somebody else's success and they immediately want to replicate it. Oh, so-and-so did a, a great collaboration with a rapper or a, you know, a musician or an, uh, an athlete, a soccer player, whoever it may be. Let's do that same thing. What you don't realize is that really good influencer marketing strategies and campaigns, they are quite multifaceted. And that's where the micro and the nano come into it. So And there's a parallel here with PR, which is the world that I've also spent a lot of time with because Meltwater has news and social monitoring. So historically, we started off tracking news coverage. And the dream of any C-suite executive is to have their PR team get them on the front page of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or whatever it may be. And when people four or five years ago, when they started doing influencer marketing, they approached it with the same tainted approach, which is people sat in a conference room, I'm imagining, and saying like, we've got this great product. How about we get Justin Bieber to talk about it? That's the same thing as saying, I want to be on the front page of the New York Times. Like, is it a good idea? Yes, he has a lot of reach and people will talk about it. But is that guaranteed to resonate with your target audience in the way that you want it to resonate? And that's where our tools help companies actually identify who has authority and credibility and authenticity with a particular audience regarding a particular topic, because it's all about messaging, right? It's not just who's saying it, it's what's behind the message. And you're talking about marketing in general and how to make it personal. B2B companies, which have historically been my sort of mainstay of of clients, they've sometimes reverted to just speaking in sort of marketing jargon to everybody. And they're not making it personal. At the end of the day, if you're selling a product B2B, somebody at that other business is a person who's buying the product or who's part of the purchase decision. And I can't tell you, Priscilla, the the amount of times that people have told me, like, we don't need to look at influencer marketing, we're B2B. But (laughs) B2B is person to person. It's not necessarily consumer to consumer, but it's, it's a person at the other business that you build a relationship with, that you do business with. And those people, they also spend their time online doing things other than just being a chief financial officer or whatever it may be. I love that. Oh my gosh. They have hobbies. (laughs) That's totally true. And also I try and remind people all the time, oh, B2B, yeah, those people have thumbs too. And, you know, when they have a problem, they take their phone and they use their thumbs and they go online and they check. I heard you call it Google thumbs. Yes. Google Google thumbs. thumbs. (laughs) And basically they check in with their community. And while we, in some moments may consider Google at large to be our community, what we see more and more often, and especially actually counterintuitively maybe, but especially in B2B, 
we're, I'm not looking at buying a $20 item. I'm looking at buying a $40,000, this new system for dashboarding in my company. Well, my thumbs are going to be looking for very different things. I'm looking for my tribe. I'm looking for people I respect. I'm looking for people who I keep seeing over and over again. And this is the message that they have. And I start thinking, you know what? They have something to offer. They actually know they seem to be on the leading edge of what's going on. I can actually connect with them and I can see that. And to me, mm-hmm. that's, you're an influencer in your space. You're a speaker around the industry is same with me. Allegedly. <laughs> oh, allegedly. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, we're going to be together soon. So <laughs> I'm going to prove it. But this idea kind of like this lack of human like rapport building as necessary for B2B products is just redonkulous. If you just mm-hmm. look for two minutes at the way we all behave the way we, yeah. we as humans interact. Yeah. Humanizing your brand is, is so important. And now we're getting into like prophetic marketing advice, <laughs> but th- so many people in the B2B space think it's all about the logo and the message. And it's, you know, faces are more memorable than logos. Everybody knows what the Nike logo looks like, but Nike's most successful campaigns are the ones that feature faces and memorable faces. That's why brands spend so much money having athletes endorse their products. And one thing that companies like Nike are doing very, very well is spending their money wisely on understanding their audience and leveraging the correct athlete in their stable for a particular message, right? So when you have... so. We talked about how influencer marketing is difficult to find the right influencer. Well, let's say you've already found a lot of influencers. You you work with athletes or celebrities. We work with a lot of cosmetics, beauty brands, and they have no shortage of influencers that want to work with them and that already do. But you've got to sprinkle the, the spotlight a little bit with different people in your stable. And everybody has different attributes and traits and different audiences. One celebrity might have the same sort of characteristics as another one that you work with, but their followers may be more people in Spain or more people of a higher disposable income or something like that. So it is important to think about your message and the intended outcome, and then to put that message in the hands of somebody who fits those characteristics. It can be very hard to do that if you're just looking at Instagram natively. All you see is their recent posts and the number of likes or the number of followers, but our tools... And there are many tools out there like us. So as long as you're using a tool, you're doing it right. But tools can help you to really figure out the underlying performance, the person who's going to help you unlock the right audience. And it doesn't take working with a thousand nano influencers and you can't just work with one super celebrity influencer. You have to figure out what's right for your message and always evolve, always constantly change. People who are repeating the same frameworks, the same processes over and over, then they get left behind eventually. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So there are some other tools you can use. However, they're not friends of mine and they're not on the podcast right now. So I'm going <laughs> to let you talk a little bit about the You're Meltwater tour. Friend, yeah. <laughs> so this is what I love. You're like-minded. You love it when a great idea, someone has it and, and then you can figure out how to make it come to life. That's really what the whole Meltwater brand is about. So tell me about those tools. So if you were to say, okay, we want this big idea, we come down and we refine this idea. This is what we want to do. How does your team and your tools really help people come up with an interesting and a really effective way to come to the market? 
let's take a short break. As a business professional, mastering social media is no longer a nice-to-have set of skills, but a fundamental need in order to advance your career and exceed goals. A lot of people are interested in learning social selling techniques for revenue generation, network building, and maybe even to advance their thought leadership. But what is actually needed is a practical and repeatable system to digitally transform whole teams. Teams that commit to creating meaningful digital communities and learn how to leverage social media to turn relationships into sales online far outperform their competitors. And companies that commit to investing in their teams to increase their personal social influence reap the benefit of increased brand awareness and positive upticks in company reputation. Social media is natural, it's cost-effective, and it's an easily leveraged tool at anyone's disposal. What is lacking is an effective and proven system that trains sales, marketing, HR, and executives alike to move from social selling to complete digital transformation and into digital dominance. Our 12-week social selling course is a practical, hands-on experience. It's taken over time specifically to address the needed mindset shifts, the changes in habits and behaviors, and all of this while implementing new skills. You will learn how to network effectively and at scale build rapport with targeted audiences, expand your influence, and become the go-to authority in your area of expertise. So this is not a quick tips and tricks for LinkedIn success flash in the pan. It's a commitment to changing the way you show up online and experience career-shifting breakthroughs. This is expert instruction in small cohorts with personalized one-on-one coaching. If you're interested, go learn more at littlebirdmarketing.com slash social hyphen influence. That is such a great question that I was not prepared for, but I'm going to do my best to wing it here because it <laughs> you're is going such to do great. <laughs> a, it's such a great question because this is most people come to us with a pre-baked plan and that's great. We can, our job is to leverage external data to help people answer questions, solve problems, decide on actions to take. But often people come to us already having the actions in their mind. And one of the most powerful skills that I've learned over the years, and I've been with Meltwater for 14 and I've been in this space for 20, which sounds crazy to say because I still feel like I'm a a little kid, but (laughs) the most powerful question that I learned was, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to achieve? And so when people come to us and have actions already in mind, the differentiator is that some people come to me and they do want to learn what the data tells them so that they can adjust their plans. Other people already have the plans baked and they just want me to measure performance. And that's fine. We do both of those things. But it's important for anyone who's listening to this, who's in a similar situation, when you have a boss, a customer, a client, whoever, who comes to you and says, I need X. I thrive on context and I always want to know, well, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to just measure the performance of the plan that you've set in place or are you still in planning mode? If you're in planning mode, our data, the external intelligence that we collect, which is everything that's generated on news and social, we have TV and radio, broadcast media, online news, we have forums, message boards, review sites, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, everything. 
you can capture any content that you're creating and see how it's resonating with people. Or if you're in planning mode, why don't we take a look at how people are already talking about a topic that you want to infiltrate, you want to enter a particular space. Let's say it's um, cosmetics and you want to know what do people really hate about applying eyeshadow, right? Before you've designed your messaging, you can really leverage everything that's out there without waiting months and months to conduct a survey and spending tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to get primary data. You can instantly tap into social media to find out how people talk about it and who they trust and where they get their information from. And that information helps you plan your campaigns. And that's when uh, companies come to us and they say, this is what we're trying to do. We can help them validate whether or not their plans are going to be effective. But if they put those plans in place, then we have different metrics and channels that we can tap into to say, if we're trying to increase awareness, then here is a template or a dashboard that we'll put in front of you to help you understand, are you increasing awareness because you might be entering the market with a brand new product? But if you're trying to convert, then we're going to change things a little bit. And so it's really the intention behind all of that that's very important for us. And the beauty of, of the space that I work in is this external intelligence used in social data can be used in so many different ways. It's like a, a focus group that's happening 24-7, 365. One thing that I can really take away from all the things you've said is how much pressure brands are under. Mm, <laughs> right. Mm. They might come with a pre-baked idea. They might have looked at somebody else at a competitor and say, they're doing it. We've got to do it. All of those things are pressure. All of those things are, we need to be in the market. We need to be doing things now. And so I love how you're talking about really saying, look, I can help you. We do have great tools, but also <laughs> could we stop? Yeah. Could we stop for a minute? Because you have talked with me before about the beauty of really looking at the data and letting the data kind of help guide you and understand yes. what is possible. And so if you do have the time to stop and consider what is so unique to your brand and unique to the goals that you have, then there is a lot that can be done to structure things properly before you go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where the most successful people in, in this space in marketing and PR are the ones that can leverage data. But also, there is an art to the profession. It's not all science. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I've spoken to marketing people who are seen as traditionally being a little bit more already digitally transformed than PR people. It's that they actually hate the phrase, don't do what you can't measure, because they feel I've heard a lot of people say that they feel like it's taken the, the risk, the fun and the creativity out of the profession. And now it's just very linear. We do this, we get this number and we're just trying to juice this campaign or whatever it may be. PR is a little bit more art than science, but it, that's also what's been holding them back from being able to digitally transform and adopt some of the methodologies that would really unlock the value of their profession is because they're relying on hunches. They are the people that sit down and say, we have a campaign, it's related to sustainability. We need to be in fortune or something like that because they see that they're writing a lot of content. They actually don't take the time in a lot of cases to collect the data to say, should we be pitching this story to fortune or should we go with some smaller niche publication that really captivates that particular audience that we're trying to reach? And pressure, which is the key word that caught my attention that you said, 
I've always said the best use of our data is to buy people a longer leash, meaning that you have a little bit more leeway, you have a little bit more trust, and you create a good partnership with your internal stakeholders because nobody likes their back being against the wall and their bosses or their colleagues just demanding that they produce a certain outcome but that comes from a misunderstanding of what they're supposed to do. Again, with PR, PR is not about conversion, right? PR is about awareness, air cover, letting people know what your brand persona is or what your purpose is or what the company is all about, what your values are. Most people, for most products, they don't read the news article and then immediately go buy that product. But that happens a lot on Instagram. Instagram, I can't tell you the amount of things that are sitting around my office here that I've just scrolled past and thought, oh, that's great. I definitely need a, a, a new bandana. I don't, I don't even wear bandanas, but there is a conversion <laughs> element to it. So I think there's, there's a lot of pressure that people feel, but I think most of that just comes from being asked to do things that don't really fit into that discipline. But that's because they don't back themselves up with the data. So you, you can buy yourself a longer leash, as I say, or relieve that pressure by coming to a meeting with your boss with data that says, here's what we're doing and here's why, as opposed to selling them with a bunch of slides saying like, we've designed this great campaign and we're going to get Cristiano Ronaldo who has, you know, millions of followers. Like that's just a hunch. There's no data behind that. Right. Right. And calling a hunch, a hunch, like, let's get, let's get down to like, let's just get it right. I love what you're saying there. What I'm hearing is this room, this space that needs to be created for collaborations, interesting mashups. And you talked a little bit about communities. You're trying to tap into people's communities, but tap into them, not like everybody's tapped into them before. So whether you use Reynaldo or you use anybody, the last company used them to do X, Y, Z. Well, yeah, I guess that could be seen as quote unquote, a proven strategy. And I'm using my air quotes because that means I'm really disgusted with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's proven. But is that what you want to do again? If you want to go try and prove that again, that's been proven in this idea of like, could the data provide you what you said, this longer leash? I love this, this space to think, even if you're tapping into the same person and into their same audience, could you do something new? Could yeah. you expand things in a way that is nobody saw it coming? <laughs> and that beauty of the creativity there should exist in that PR where you don't have every single little thing needs to be a direct measurement. That excites yeah. me. Yeah, well... There is a lesson I learned back in in college in Australia that stuck with me forever, that a marketing professor taught me that people care about three things when it comes to marketing. There are three, no more powerful words than free, more, and new. Free is cheap, more is easy, but new is hard. To do something new is, I think, what gets people most excited. People love innovation. People love something new. And that's why collaborations are great. No doubt why you decided to write a book about the topic. But when you take two things that were disconnected and put them together, the sum is greater than its parts, but it's also something new, yet it's kind of familiar. And that's why influencer marketing is also so powerful. It's not just, oh, so-and-so is peddling a brand new product. It's a good influencer, a good content creator. They are constantly pushing out content that's related to what they care about and what their audience cares about. And you can't just insert somebody who's, say, a yoga instructor and who's posting YouTube videos about the best yoga workouts for doing it at home during the pandemic. So all of a sudden, plug like a headset 
and to say, this is the headset that I use. Like it doesn't necessarily fit. So you have to understand the brand that somebody has already built up. And like you said as well, there's a risk to if they've already worked with other brands, you kind of have to see what their stance is. And, you know, in, in this day and age, people are obviously so concerned about political correctness and people get face backlashes pretty easily. There have been a lot of influencer marketing campaigns that have got brands into hot water for sort of endorsing or collaborating with the wrong people because they didn't do a good job of vetting. There might be people that have a misogynistic stance, let's say, but they have a great followership amongst car enthusiasts. I'm not connecting any stereotypes there, but (laughs) there are brands that have gotten themselves into hot water that have had to sort of retract statements or disassociate themselves with people, but they could have avoided that if they had just bothered to look at the history. And our tool obviously makes it easy, isolate the brand related, the sponsorship posts, but it's very difficult discipline for people to nail because there is going back to the concept of the new, anytime you're doing something new, you're inherently taking a little bit of a risk. And that's why I'm a big advocate for the art in the discipline, not just being scientific, because if you're being scientific and looking for the data, if you're doing something entirely new, that data doesn't exist. And the data won't necessarily tell you that that's a good idea. Like Bezos said once, and that also stuck with me, is if they had asked people, would they want a microphone listening to their every word in their kitchen 24-7, everybody would say no. But then Alexa just exploded, right? Because the data for what you want sometimes doesn't exist and you have to take a little bit of a risk. You have to try combining things that are familiar with people and then putting it into something that seems new, but it's actually not new. It's just a collaboration to plug you and your book. All right. I love it. <laughs> See, I, knew, I knew this was going to go well. Well, let's talk a little bit about, about that concept of what's new. This was exciting. You and I had a great conversation of what's new at Melwater. So I actually, it's funny that for as long as I've had my digital content marketing firm and I've known of Meltwater and had clients and we've used a tool, I don't know how you and I never crossed paths, but here we are now. So let's live in the now. But there are things that are changing at Meltwater too. And of course, it's a reflection of some things that have changed and what does it mean for a company to be digitally successful? And what does it mean for a company to have a mindset of digital transformation, looking always to find a new process and to really, it's really about a mindset shift. I think it's about thinking Mm -hmm. about things differently. So let's talk about that new. And just as a huge thank you for just being so transparent and giving my audience some really good food for thought as they're thinking about campaigns and where they should go. I want to give you the opportunity to say, where has Meltwater come and where is Meltwater going? What is ideal for your team to be working on? Yeah. So we're at a unique inflection point for a company. So we have a little over 2,000 employees. We've been around for 20 years, but we were the first company that decided to, you know, our founder double down on the internet. He said there's potential in this. And so he created a fully online media monitoring back when newspapers were still the prevalent way of getting information. Fast forward, then social media comes along and we keep expanding, basically owning this external intelligence space, anything that's generated on the internet that's publicly available, that's of general interest, we mine that data. And then you really get into a phrase that's kind of disappeared is big data. Because if you're looking at what hundreds of thousands, millions of people are doing online, you can learn a lot more about consumer behavior. So this inflection point that we're in is that in the last couple of years, we've made a few key acquisitions, but everything we do at Meltwater, whenever we acquire technology capabilities and people, 
we integrate. We don't just plug them in for the revenue. So the two most recent acquisitions are a sales intelligence solution that basically means that you don't have to type in any Boolean, any searches. If you're interested in the company, let's say you are an account executive or you're a marketing executive and you want to know what your competitors are up to, this tool just makes it easy for you to get intelligence about a particular company without having to set up complex searches and get hundreds of repeat posts every day. It just tells you the most important things that you would want to know about. That combined with another acquisition that we made, which was in the consumer intelligence space, everyone was a little perplexed, like what's Meltwater doing buying a company that has the exact same type of data? This company is called Linkfluence and they have news and social data just like we do. So why would we want to bring in somebody that already has a library of the same kind of information? It was the way that they had set up their user interface was incredibly conducive to helping market research professionals digitally transform. And it's still an untapped market. I know, I I believe you do some research from time to time for your clients. So you can appreciate the power of having access to that focus group online at any given point in time where people, if they really want to know how should we position this next vehicle in our lineup, if I'm an automotive brand, you know, they, they do a lot of focus groups, a lot of surveys. So what's new at Meltwater is that we're bringing together the concept of consumer intelligence, company intelligence, so competitive intelligence, and news and social media together that's traditionally been serving PR and marketing. And now we're creating this conglomerated view, which we call One Meltwater. And so now when you have some of the biggest companies in the world that are our clients, historically, they've had six or seven or eight different subscriptions to all these different tools amongst different teams. Now we're rolling all of that up. And it's quite a crazy ride. It's been a a bit of a crazy reorg and a restructure for us. But I'm in charge of a couple of verticals. And one of the ones that I'm really excited about is the the tech. I'm a bit of a gadget geek. So I lead a team on the tech vertical. And some of the most innovative companies that we work with are inside there, like semiconductor companies and gaming companies and so on. And it's been riveting, to not put it mildly, to work with these companies because they could use so much support in breaking down the silos internally. Because that's all of these companies I've discovered after doing this for years is they have no shortage of vendors and they have no shortage of the data. But everyone is always saying that they're still struggling to connect the dots and produce insights. And what often happens is that there might be a team in your company that's doing it really well, a company of, say, 50 or 100,000 employees. But then there's another team that is doing a very similar project, but with an entirely different suite of vendors. And that is causing a lot of wastage, a lot of spent money on things that they shouldn't have spent money on, where they could have actually repurposed the data. So that's sort of the direction that we're going in. It's helping companies be a bit more efficient with these sorts of things. In terms of digital transformation success, I also think that one of the silos that has existed at some companies is that these departments use technology and these ones don't. It's like, no, 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 no. We all do. And we all have to understand AI and we all have to understand what it means to layer on qualitative information with quantitative. Like we we can't Mm -hmm. just be in our own world 
every single piece of the company needs to start working in a technology. And I love that, what you said about breaking down the silos. Here's the brand manager over here. Here's the consumer insights person. Mm -hmm. Here's actually, when you think about the creative person, like you said, sometimes it's such a beautiful thing. If you get to somebody before it's gone into all these other deep departments and you still get to have that creative moment. Yeah. So it's about like really understanding this digital transformation in a company and everybody then from multiple departments getting to get a piece of some very, very powerful technology. Absolutely. Yeah. I just love that. You and I are going to cross paths a couple of times. I will see you very soon in person, which is great, but you need to connect with Dino on LinkedIn and it's uh, Dino Delish and it's D-I-N-O and the last name is D-E-L-I-C. So go look him up online. There's a lot of cool things coming out of Meltwater. You can hear it right here. But if you're in kind of that consternation where we started the first part of the conversation and wondering what the possibilities are and saying, look, we're so tempted because we're under so much pressure to go just go do what someone else has done before it's proven or, or go do what we've done before, do something identical to our competitor. Just stop for a minute. There are amazing yeah. tools out there that can get you out of that and maybe help you create something bigger and better. And also something that probably the humans are going to enjoy more. Yes, the human putting the humanity back into marketing. Please Absolutely. do. <laughs> there are a yeah. lot of us here. <laughs> well, Dino, thank you so much still. for this. Just thank it's you. just your expertise and and also just it's a very open mindset, I think. Just you can hear the excitement that you have for uh, tackling problems with brands and these are pretty big challenges. Yes, no, it's, I'm surprised at myself that after 14 years I'm still with the same company in the tech space, which is almost unheard of unless you own the company. But yeah, I, I've not found anyone else that can tempt me with a, another job that sort of is in a more exciting space. And I think marketing, PR, there's no place I'd rather be, but it does come with its challenges and it's always fun to talk about. So thank you for letting me come here and, and share some of those challenges. If you like this content, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you downloaded this podcast. It's how people find our show. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.